Well, today's message is a little different. We've broken it into three different parts, and uh, we'll sing and we'll do some other special things in the midst of the message. So roll with the differences and try to let God use it differently in your life today. Today we're starting a new series called Four Prayers That We Don't Pray Enough. And the truth is, we probably just don't pray enough. We probably just don't pray enough, but uh, it seems that when we do get around to praying, it centers around just a few subjects. Thanks for the food. Or so-and-so is sick, help them get better. Or rescue me from this mess that I created. And then last weekend, I, I think God got the same prayer several times from Steeler fans during that one play. Please don't let Ben be injured and out for the season. I know I was praying that. So we do pray some prayers over and over. But in this series, we're talking about some prayers that we don't pray enough. And you can see the list of the prayers that we'll be looking at over the next few weeks in your bulletin. But this weekend, the prayer that we're going to talk about is just one word. That word is wow. Wow. The word wow seems uh, is usually an expression of surprise, and, and I guess it can be used in a negative way sometimes. I mean, if someone says something that's kind of rude or blunt or insulting, we might say, wow. And what we really mean by that is, you're a real jerk. Now, that's probably not a prayer you need to pray to God more. Not wow from that standpoint, although if you think God's a jerk, you might as well talk to him about it because he already knows you feel that way and he's not going to be offended by that and uh, he might help you through that. But I think most times when people say wow, it's a positive thing. I mean, when someone in the line ahead of you at the fast food restaurant pays for your order or, or when we're surprised by something wonderful that happens, like our kids cleaning the whole house while we're out, or when we see something extra beautiful, like a fully restored 1958 Corvette, those are times when we say, wow, wow. And wow is an expression that we're surprised, that we're overwhelmed, that we really are left speechless and we can't find the right words, so we just say, wow. And that's the prayer that I don't think we pray enough. Honestly, I don't think we get overwhelmed by God enough. It might be because we're moving so fast that we don't notice things or maybe we expect bad things and so we don't see the good, but for whatever reason, I don't think we are wowed by God enough. So let's try to relax. Let's try to push aside all the stress and the demands of our world and just focus on God and let him wow us. I want to look today at three ways that we can say wow in prayer. First, we can pray wow as an expression of recognition, an expression of recognition. Praying wow in this sense recognizes the vastness of God, the bigness of who he is, and the wonder of his creation. Look at what Psalm 19 says about the world that God made. The heavens tell about the glory of God. 
The skies announce what his hands have made. Each new day tells more of the story. And each night reveals more and more about God's power. You cannot hear them say anything. They don't make any sound that we can hear. But their message goes throughout the world. Their teaching reaches the ends of the earth. Basically, the passage says we should be overwhelmed by God's creation. We should be overwhelmed by his creation. It is saying to us that the beautiful world around us is screaming out how wonderful God is. The complexity of the world uh, around us is showing us how powerful and great God is. In fact, creation is one of the ways that uh, people are supposed to recognize that God exists, that there is a God. Look at what Romans chapter 1 says. For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and the sky. Uh, through everything God made, they can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature. So they have no excuse for not knowing God. The passage is clear. When we look at creation around us, it ought to lead us to believe that there is a God, that there is a master designer, and that should cause us to praise him for making this for us. Let me help you think this through in a way that might help you recognize God's hand in the world around you and will cause you to pray, wow. Have you ever been somewhere in nature where you just looked out and you couldn't believe how beautiful it was, how vast it was. And one of the places that that happened to me was the first time that I visited the Grand Canyon. That may have been one of the first places where I thought that the pictures that I had seen hadn't done it justice that it hadn't really shown how big and beautiful it is. And that means if you haven't been there, uh, then this picture uh, is only telling half the story. It, uh, I stood at the fence overlooking the Grand Canyon, and I just said, wow, wow. And then several years later, we went back. And... Um, it was during the winter and there was snow on the ground and it looked totally different. And again, I said, wow. And each of those times it pushed me to pray, to say, God, this is beautiful. This is overwhelming. It shows your power and your love because you created beautiful things like this. And you might be thinking, okay, Pastor Steve, well, if I ever get to the Grand Canyon, I will be sure to pray the wow prayer. But beauty of creation is all around us. It's all around us. Each and every day we encounter parts of God's creation. But somehow we fail to recognize it, to give him praise for it. And you're not sure that you think I'm right right now? Well, how about this? Now, if you have always lived in a place with fall colors... You might take them for granted, but I don't. I don't. You see, until 10 years ago, I spent my life in places where people would pay money to go on vacations where people would show them fall colors. And now I have beautiful fall colors in my yard. 
I have them in my yard. And every year, I watch one or two trees that are on my route to work because I'm just overwhelmed by the vivid colors that they turn. And fall colors make me pray, wow. Because I realize God didn't have to do that. He didn't have to do that. Our, our world could have been colorless. It could have been black and white and gray. It could have been functional and fine. But God decided to show off. His world declares his glory and his power in every sunrise and in every sunset and so many other things. And when we slow down and notice, wow, is a great prayer to recognize who God is and to be overwhelmed by him. Let me share one more. There's one part of creation that wows me so much that I don't know how anyone could see it and deny that there is a powerful God. Here it is. When I first held my daughters and my grandchildren, I just prayed, wow. God has done something beautiful for us. I love to look at babies' hands and just examine the details. You know, the mini fingerprints and the folds and the creases and the lines. And then I look at their feet and I see those details. And I'm sorry, I just can't say that this is a bunch of cells accidentally coming together and evolving. I see a design and that means there's a designer. And I bow my head and I whisper, wow, God, I recognize you in this beautiful creation. This weekend, we have been celebrating with some families who have experienced the wow of having a baby. And uh, we've already seen some parents dedicate themselves to pointing their kids towards Jesus, but we're going to see that again in this service, and our kids director, Abby Robinson, is going to come and lead us in this part of the service. Overwhelmed by God's creation. I think that's such a powerful thing, and I'm honored to be part of a church that actually takes time to practice what they preach, and that we do that during service. Um, I think all too often we do. Life gets busy, and we just speed by, and we don't take time to just stop and appreciate God's miracle of life. Um, today, we're going to celebrate our parent dedication. So um, families that are a part of that, if you want to make your way forward, um, you guys can come on up at the time this time, okay? While they're coming up, um, I just want to take a few minutes and make sure everybody understands what parent dedication even is. The title kind of gives it away. Um, sometimes it's been referred to in the past as baby dedication, but we think this is more of an opportunity for parents to dedicate their lives to raise and teach and train a child up in the ways of the Lord. And that's exactly what they're going to be doing today. For some of you, you may come from a different tradition, and that may include infant baptism. Um, we believe in baptism here as well, but we believe that that's an, a decision for the child to make when they get old enough to make that for themselves. So today is about the parents, and it's about us as a church deciding to come around these families and show them our love and the love of Christ. So I'm going to go ahead and let them introduce themselves if you want to just tell us your name name of everybody hello my name is Haley Patton I'm Paul Patton this is our daughter Hazel Patton say hi. and this is little Isaac Patton all right let's give these guys a hand aren't they beautiful 
got here with the bow tie. I love it. <laughs> and we like to just give you guys a special gift. I know you have your hands full, so I'll set it right here beside you for now. Um, we like to give a little gift just so they can remember today. And one of the things that we give them is a book, and we also give them a mezuzah. A mezuzah is, in the Jewish tradition, um, something to remind families, to be a visible reminder. They hang it on their doorpost, door um, and it reminds them about the biblical command to train their children. And a little scroll is tucked inside of there with Deuteronomy in there, and I'm going to read the verses to you now. It says, listen, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone, and you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you are at home and when you're on the road, when you're going to bed and when you're getting up. Tie them to your hands and wear them on your forehead as reminders. Write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. Not asking you guys to strap stuff to your forehead, literally. But the passage makes clear that we are supposed to remind our children again and again. You see, God isn't something that just happens in this building for one hour on a weekend service time. God is something that we have to do every day, every hour of the day. And he is asking us to invite him into our homes and invite him into our children's lives. I think it's very fitting that we are, this service is very filled with worship today because the parents here today are doing just that. You know, we hear all the time about giving of offering, a serving, giving our time. And those are, we realize those aren't ours. God gave them to us and we're just stewards, right? We're stewards of our money. We're stewards of our time and we're giving back what's already God's. Well, this is just another extension of worship to him and saying, God, we realize you blessed us with these beautiful children and we give them back to you. And we're going to train them and teach them uh, according to your will and according to your word. So I think this is just really, really an awesome start. And as parents, sometimes we feel so guilty. You think we mess things up. You guys have done a great thing. If you get this right, everything else will fall into place because that's a promise. That's a biblical promise. Just point them to God and then trust him. He will order their paths. So great job, guys. I'm going to just read a few questions, and if you agree, you just say yes after the questions, okay? Will you dedicate your lives first to Christ, seeking to achieve his purpose and will in your life? And as a couple, will you dedicate yourselves second to your spouse so your child will always have the example of two committed Christian parents? And will you, by the actions of your daily life, commit yourself to living for Jesus in such a way that following your example will help your child develop a love for Jesus and his body, the church, as well as a lifestyle of Christ-like behavior? And do you promise to raise your child in a home where the Bible is valued and read and where Jesus is honored and obeyed? And understanding that salvation comes only through a personal decision your child makes in the future to trust Jesus and commit his or her life to him, do you promise to teach him or her and lead him and her such a way that it'll be easier for them to choose Jesus when they begin to make spiritual decisions? That's awesome. Let's give them one more round of applause. This is a great family, guys, and I just want to say lastly that there's two reasons that we do this in front of you guys as a church. This is a ceremony for the parents to get, dedicate and say, yes, we want to teach our children to love the Lord, but we want you guys to take a good look at these guys. And our role that we play here at Impact, we believe that we are absolutely invaluable to these children's lives, that it is our job to show them the love of Christ. And as parents, we know sometimes it's hard. Sometimes as your kids get older, 
Maybe they don't want to hear everything mom and dad has to say. And we want to be a community of believers that shows them and are the hands and feet of Jesus to these kids. So I encourage you guys, um, come up to these guys after the service, get to know them, get to know their family, and get involved. Be involved in church. Every time you come and serve, you're being the hands and feet to Jesus, to these kids and to their adults and their families that come through these doors. So let's pray over this family um, before we continue with worship. Lord, I just thank you so much for the patents, Lord. I thank you so much that you have um, blessed us and blessed this church with their family. I pray right now for their children, Lord, that you would order their steps, that you would be in their lives, Lord, in a real, invisible way. We ask for their parents and their families, Lord, that you would give them your words to say to them, Lord, and just fill them with your wisdom and knowledge and love for these children, Lord. We ask for us as their church body that you would give us the strength and courage to be there for them, to show them your love in a real and passionate way each and every day. And in Jesus' name I pray, amen. without hope with no place to begin your love made a way to let mercy come near when death was arrested and my life began ash was redeemed only
darkness rejoiced as though heaven had seated. The second way we can pray the prayer wow is as an expression of humility. Humility. When I was in Bible college there was another student who for some reason didn't like me very much and I don't know why because I was awesome. And I, I really don't know why, and now we're Facebook friends, so that must mean everything's okay now. But um, while this guy didn't like me, he did want to be a good follower of Jesus. So one night he knocked on the door of my dorm room, and he asked to talk to me. And he came in, and he sat down, and he said that he had been talking to three or four people, and he named them. He told me who he'd been talking to. And then he said, while I was talking to them, I said some pretty unkind things about you. And then he told me the unkind things he'd said about me. And when he was done, he said, you know, I feel really bad about that. Will you forgive me? Well, I wanted to be a good Christ follower too. So I said, yes, I'll forgive you. We, we prayed and then he left and uh, things were great. And then about three weeks later, there was another knock on my dorm room door. It was the same guy. He had talked bad about me again to different people, saying equally bad but different things. And I again agreed to forgive him. And after this happened four times, I was struggling to forgive him. I mean, every time I walked around campus and I saw him talking to anybody... I wondered what bad things he was saying about me, you know. And so I was angry about it. And, 
it didn't seem fair that I had to forgive him. It was one Sunday sitting in church during communion time that I realized I do the same thing to God all the time. I come to him and I ask him to forgive me for something that I've done and then I do it again and I ask him to forgive me again and again and again and I was totally humbled by that thought. Look at what the Bible says about this. 1 John 1 says this, but if we confess our sins, God will forgive us. We can trust God to do this. He always does what is right. He will make us clean from all the wrong things we have done. We should be overwhelmed by his forgiveness. We should be overwhelmed by his forgiveness. When I realize my sin, when I realize the promise of God to forgive me, it should make me pray, wow, I don't deserve that. Wow, I don't deserve that. Have you ever thought about the forgiveness that God has for you? Have you thought about that lately? I mean, look at the truth about you in Ephesians chapter 2. Here's what it says. Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins. You used to live in sin just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers of the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. But God is so rich in mercy, and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins... He gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. We used to live a life that was controlled by sin. The person who controls the hearts of people who absolutely refuse to obey God was controlling my heart. And I deserved God's wrath. I deserved his anger. I deserved to go to hell and be punished for all eternity. That's the story of my life. And it's the story of your life too. And these verses are pretty depressing. And then all of a the sudden they change. The change is quick. The change is extreme. And it's contained in two three-letter words in your notes or on your device or in your Bible, highlight or underline or circle the two small words, but God. But God. I was dead in my uh, sin. I was dead because of my sin, but God made me alive again. I deserved eternal punishment, but God gave me eternal life. I promised to obey God. I promised with all my heart to obey him and follow him. And then I disobeyed him. But God forgave me anyway. 
You see, when I am determined to have my way and I choose to sin and I don't even care that it's hurting people around me, God is there and he is so rich in mercy and he loves me so much, he forgives me and he gives me new life and he gives me a second chance. And when you realize that in your life, there's really only one response. Wow. Wow, God. I don't deserve that. I don't deserve that. And I said that this wow is an expression of humility because we spend a lot of time in our world thinking about our rights. We spend a lot of time in our world thinking about what's fair. We spend a lot of time thinking about what we're entitled to. And when we realize how many times and how many ways we fail to measure up to God's plan for us, when we realize how often we make the conscious choice to sin, we have to admit at that time, I don't deserve to be forgiven. In fact, I deserve the opposite. That's what's fair. When I realize that if God was being fair, he would refuse to forgive us after we have come to him, maybe the first time, but especially after we've come to him repeatedly seeking forgiveness for the same sin, just like my friend in college. Yet the Bible clearly teaches we can trust God to forgive us. We can trust God to forgive us each time that we come to him about our sin. And so our response to him should just be a humble, wow, I don't deserve that. Will you focus on that as we sing these next songs and realize you deserve his wrath, but God gives you his forgiveness instead. Let that wow you.
trust you. We trust you.
Let's look at uh, the wow prayer from one more angle. Wow can also be an expression of relief. Have you ever said wow as an expression of relief? I have. I remember when our daughter Kayla was sick and we weren't making much money at the time, but the expenses were beginning to overwhelm us. And then our medical insurance went bankrupt and Kayla was hospitalized for a very long time, 75 miles away, and we were spending more on gas and on food and it was a time of real financial concern for us in the midst of the fear and emotions of dealing with a chronically ill child. And one day, Jill came to the hospital and she was going to spend the next three or four days uh, with Kayla at the hospital. And uh, I was going home to be with our other children. I had been there at the hospital for three days. And that 75 mile drive, during it I began to think about all of the bills that we had due and the little bit of money that we had in the bank. And I didn't know how we were gonna make it through that month. And I hadn't talked to anybody about the financial stress that we were under, but I began thinking of things that we could sell. And I began uh, considering asking our parents for a loan. And by the time I got home, I was pretty depressed. I was pretty worried and I got out of my car and I went to the mailbox and I took out the mail and there was a letter in the mail and our names were handwritten on it and inside was a note that said, we thought you might need this. And there was a cashier's check for $5,000. It was completely anonymous. To this day, we really don't know who sent it. But I remember my reaction. My reaction was, wow, what a relief. And wow became my prayer as I wept right there by the mailbox. You see, sometimes when we pray wow, it's just an expression of relief because of who God continues to be and what he continues to do in our life. Look at this important reminder in Hebrews chapter 10. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep his promises. God can be trusted to keep his promises. Or some of the older translations just translate that last part as, he who has promised is faithful. He who has promised is is faithful and we just saying God always keeps his promises. Numbers 23:19 is perhaps my favorite scripture about this. Look at what it says. God is not a human being and he will not lie. He is not a human and he does not change his mind. What he says he will do, he does. What he promises, he makes come true. God isn't like us. He will not lie. He will not change his mind. He will do what he said he will do. He will keep his promises. So, we, so when we pray, wow, it is because we're relieved that he doesn't break his promises like we do. 
It's because uh, we are so relieved that he doesn't change his mind like we do. We should be overwhelmed by his faithfulness because we usually aren't that faithful to our promises, but he is. Let me just unpack this a little bit more. These aren't in your notes, so if you want them, you'll have to write them down. First, he keeps his promises even when I don't, even when I don't. Did anyone else squirm just a little bit a little while ago when we read that passage from Ephesians chapter 2? You remember it said, you used to live in sin just like the rest of the world. And then it said, all of us used to live that way. Did anyone else quietly think, sometimes I still live that way. Sometimes I still live in sin just like the rest of the world. You see, when I was baptized into Jesus, I made promises to him. I promised him that I would die to my sin, that I would die to my old life, that I would live for him. I promised him that I would turn away from my sin, that I would do things his way, and I promised that. And when I promised that, I really meant it. I really meant that. And yet, sometimes I make the choice to sin. I make the choice to break my promise to him, and I fail to be faithful to him. But God can always be trusted to keep his promises. And that means he can be trusted to forgive me, to give me another chance, even when I have failed to keep my promises to him. Wow. That's a relief, isn't it? Secondly, his promises means he's waiting when I come home. He's waiting when I come home. I love the story that Jesus told. We call it the parable of the prodigal son. I think it would be better titled the parable of the loving father. And if you aren't familiar with the story, a father had two sons and uh, the younger of the two sons comes to him one day and asks for his part of the inheritance. Basically, he says, dad, I wish you were dead so I could have your money. And the dad gives him his part of the inheritance and the son goes off and wastes the father's money doing things the father would never do. Things that the father would never approve of. He uses it on intoxicants and parties and wild women and then he's broke. And he's working a horrible job and he's starving to death. And that's when he decides to go back to his father and ask his father for a job. And as he heads home, he has his speech worked out in his head. As he's going, he thinks, I'll say to my dad, dad, I don't deserve to be your son. Let me be one of your hired hands. Let me be one of your servants. And the part of the story I love is this. Jesus says that while the son was still a long way off, the father sees him coming. And the father runs to him and welcomes him and embraces him. And it doesn't even seem that the father lets the son get through his speech. He puts a 
robe on the son's back, which signifies that this is his son, and he throws him a party. Now, do you know why that story is so important? Because some of you have taken your heavenly father for granted, and you've been a long way from him. You've been a long way from him, and you've been squandering the blessings that he has given to you, and you're wondering, can I ever come home? Would he ever welcome me home? And the answer is yes. Without a doubt, yes. Because God keeps his promises. He keeps his promises. And if you are close to Jesus today and uh, you're doing well in your relationship with him, you might not get this. But for the people who wandered in here today with their heads down and with their hands in their pocket and with fear and shame in their hearts because they had been so far from God, for those people, when they really grasp hold of the truth that God keeps his promises, that he welcomes them home, their only prayer can be, wow, wow, God, I'm so relieved. So for a number of reasons today, we should just be overwhelmed by God. We should be overwhelmed because of his creation. We should be overwhelmed for his forgiveness for us. And we should be overwhelmed by his faithfulness to us. We need to slow down and we just need to let ourselves experience some wow moments with God. To recognize all that he is and all that he has done for us, to praise him without asking him for more, without expecting that he will give us more, to just spend some time giving him credit and glory for who he is and what he's done. And each week, our communion time lets us do just that. It lets us do just that. We come to this time not chastising ourselves for our failures, but just allowing ourselves to rest in who God is, to have confidence, not because of who we are or how we have lived, but because of who he is and how he died. Look at that last scripture that I have listed in your notes. And as we live with Christ, our love grows more perfect and complete, so we will not be ashamed and embarrassed at the day of judgment, but we can face him with confidence and joy because he loves us and we love him too. We need have no fear of someone who loves us perfectly. His perfect love for us eliminates all dread of what he might do to us. If we are afraid, it is for fear of what he might do to us, and it shows that we are not fully convinced that he really loves us. If you are afraid when you come before God, it's because you have not yet allowed yourself to be overwhelmed by the fact that God really loves you. He really loves you. During this time, don't come in fear. Come in confidence because he loves you. And you love him too. You don't need to have any fear because he loves you perfectly. And that love eliminates all dread because we know that God will keep his promises to us. He will forgive us and he will give us a second chance. Let's pray.